Coming up on today's WAC podcast, we're going to talk New Mexico State basketball. We sit down and chat with Adam Young, the director of broadcasting for NM State Sports Properties for Learfield. Great conversation with Adam. He's obviously the Aggie insider. He sure is. And their basketball team, men's wise, they're on a 19-game win streak. They haven't lost in the WAC in a couple of years. Women's wise, they're, they're looking to bounce back to their days of glory. That's all ahead on the WAC podcast. Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Now here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Rachel Vigil. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner, Rachel Vigil in the WAC Digital Network Studios in Denver, Colorado. We're going to be talking with Adam Young today, the Aggie Insider. Yeah, Adam's been there for six years now as their main play-by-play broadcaster for their television games on the men's side. On the women's side, he does all their games. He's done a lot of uh, WAC tournaments, those kind of things. One of the great broadcasters in the Western Athletic Conference, and he has a lot of insight to what the Aggies are going to look like this year. He does. As the women's team looking to bounce back again and the men's team continuing their dominance here in the WAC, it's a great conversation you're going to want to stick around for. We're now joined by Adam Young, the Director of Broadcasting for NM State's Sports Properties in Learfield. Adam? Welcome back to the show, our first three-time guest. Yeah, I'm excited. Happy to do this as always, uh, Eric and Rachel, and thrilled that we have a start date for basketball, so we have something to look forward to now. Woo! I know. (laughs) Basketball's coming back. I can't wait. So, Adam, uh, you mentioned the start date. November 25th is what the NCAA has allowed. Obviously, there's a lot of things to figure out there uh, with athletic directors and coaches and schedules and all that kind of thing. Any word yet as to what New Mexico State might be looking at as a potential start date uh, starting on the men's side? Yeah, I know on the men's side, it is completely up in the air. Uh, They're still trying to reschedule some games that they had before that November 25th start date, Uh, in particular, some of those rivalry games. Uh, I know a lot of folks know, but, you know, New Mexico State has two big rivals in the non-conference in UNM and UTEP. And they play each twice in the non-conference portion. So that's four games right there. But uh, in their first initial draft before this all happened, they were supposed to play some of those games before November 25th. So that's their focus right now, I think, first and foremost, is trying to reschedule those games um, and then go from there. I know scheduling has been a nightmare for everyone around the country We don't know much. Uh, Northern Iowa was on the schedule, and as far as I know, it is still on the schedule for a neutral site game in Sioux Falls. And then outside of that, um, I know they're working tirelessly, the coaching staff, Coach Jantz and his crew, trying to put it together, but uh, it's not easy right now. So hopefully we'll have something sooner rather than later. Adam, I want to ask you, I've seen social media pictures of the players on the courts wearing masks. Is that throughout the entire practice? I know like for games, you don't see players wearing masks, but I've seen a lot of pictures of them, you know, just standing around and having to wear masks on the court. Yeah, kudos to our athletes. They've been really, really good about it. Um, Basketball, soccer, volleyball, baseball, softball, you name it. Um, They're doing that consistently during their workouts, and I think they're kind of starting to get used to it. And knock on wood, but that's a big reason why, you know, there haven't been many cases here uh, among the student athletes. It's been a pretty good month um, in talking to Mario Mocha about test results. So um, kudos to the kids, uh, the coaches. Uh, they've been very, very serious about this. They want to play and they know that they need to mask up in order to play. And 
um, I think it's, it's just kind of becoming a little bit of normal for them um, as far as wearing those masks during their practices and workouts. Adam, it's been uh, almost seven months now since the WAC basketball tournament was uh, canceled and obviously the rest of the NCAA sports schedule for the winter sports and spring sports was canceled that time when the COVID infection uh, really hit the United States. At that time, New Mexico State men's basketball on a 19-game win streak with a very special team. Uh, obviously, some guys have moved on, a different team coming back this year, but I got to imagine that they are just itching to get back on the court and back playing again. They are, and uh, we still have a couple waivers out. So we're still trying to see what team are we going to have when game one begins. Uh, there's still two waivers out, Marcus Watson and Mayan Kerr. And uh, I know Aggie fans are just waiting daily trying to hear any news on those. Uh, but the guys are ready to go. It, it was a different offseason, of course. Uh, but I know they're happy to be back together. Some sense of normalcy, although, you know, it hasn't been completely normal. But uh, practices have been good. And um, I, I talked to Jabari Rice, actually, this morning. We did uh, a TV interview with Jabari. And, and he was really excited about having a date. He said that's been uh, really good for everybody is now you have something to look forward to, whereas before you didn't know much. And now he said November 25th is circled on his calendar, and uh, you have an idea now of when games are going to start and when things will start for real. You mentioned Jabari Rice. Him and Johnny McCants are the two remaining starters uh, coming from last year's team for this year. How do you see them emerging as leaders this season? I think Jabari's a star. Um, he has all the qualities. Uh, we kind of saw glimpses of it last year, and I, I think a lot of people think he'll be one of the candidates, if not the candidate for WAC preseason player of the year, and, and there's a big reason why. I mean, he's hungry. He wants to be great. He's got all those qualities. He can score at a high level. And then as far as Johnny McCants, he just continues to grow and grow, and he's been really consistent uh, during his entire career here. And I remember Christian saying a couple of years ago that he thinks Johnny McCants has NBA talent. And when Johnny McCants is at his best, when he's fresh, when he's healthy, when he's playing at a high level, um, you can see that on both ends of the floor with Johnny. And of course, he's a local kid, so the fans eat it up here. Uh, but those two guys are a big part of what the Aggies will try to accomplish this year because they did lose a lot. Um, they lost a lot of scoring. They lost a lot of defense. Last year was so weird with all the injuries and everything, but it finally came together in the end. Uh, but Rice and McCants, those are the two names that I think when people talk about the team for this upcoming year, at least to start the season, those are the, the two guys that uh, people will be talking about the most. We're talking with Adam Young, the play-by-play -play voice of New Mexico State uh, men's basketball with their television games and also does uh, women's basketball as well. We'll talk about that a little later in this podcast, Adam. You mentioned uh, some of the holes New Mexico State has to fill with that great team they had last year. I guess that starts with Treble and Queen, who Rachel had a chance to talk with uh, on WAC All Access as he gets ready for the NBA draft. He, he's actually got a chance uh, to play at the next level. And uh, maybe initially when he started at New Mexico State, that, that might not have been the case. Is that fair to say, Adam? A hundred percent. You know, and I think maybe the uh, the knock on him a little bit with scouts is he doesn't have a ton of Division I uh, tape because if you recall, his first year, he was a mid-year transfer, so he wasn't eligible until semester. And then this past year, he got close to a full season, 
Um, he was hurt at one point, and then, of course, um, at the end, the, the pandemic uh, shortened the season at the end. Uh, but he's a star. I mean, he, and he's got all the NBA intangibles. He's long. He's athletic. He's a 6'6 guard. Um, defensively, he could really wreak havoc because of his ability to get in passing lanes. Um, and, you know, his vertical leap is there. His jump shot's there. He, he looks like an NBA player, and he plays like it. And when he was at his best, I mean, he was unstoppable. And he played with so much emotion and energy. And uh, he was a huge part of that championship team two years ago. And he was a huge part of the regular season championship team last year. So um, just in kind of researching and, and looking up mock drafts and that kind of stuff, he's showing up on a lot of mock drafts. So I, I think he has a shot. I have no idea if he's going to get drafted or not. But I think even if he doesn't, I think he'll get a free agent shot somewhere. And um, I do think if somebody gives him an opportunity, he'll make the most of it. A.J. Harris applied for an extra year of eligibility after dealing with some injuries last year. He was denied that extra year. Did that come as a surprise to you at all? Uh, a little bit. Um, I do a weekly podcast with Mario Mocha, the athletics director. So I was getting the weekly updates. And Mario said from the beginning, this is going to be a little bit of an uphill battle. Um, this is not going to be the easiest waiver to get. Um, I, I felt bad for A.J. because, you know, he had such a – hard finish to his career with all the injuries and to get injured twice last year. And I don't know if a lot of people knew, but he was probably going to play in the WAC tournament and or the NCAAs. He was probably going to be out there. He was getting really close and he rehabbed so hard. Uh, so I, I feel for AJ. And then, um, you know, I, I think it is a different team if AJ Harris is healthy and he's out there, but the Aggies do have Evan Gilliard who was undefeated last year. Once he started, um, playing on the floor after he was eligible at, at semester. The Aggies did not lose. Uh, they brought in a four-star and, and C.J. Roberts. Um, they're in a good position at that point guard spot. Jabari Rice can play there if he has to. He did last year. So they're pretty deep anyway. Chris Jans was preparing uh, to be ready in case A.J. did not get that waiver. But the biggest takeaway for me, Rachel, honestly, is, is I feel for AJ because I saw him rehabbing every single day and I saw the effort he put in and, and I wanted him to finish his career the way he wanted to finish it. I, I don't think it finished the way um, that he wanted it to end. Well, the two other players uh, from the starting lineup that New Mexico State has to replace are Yvonne Aurico Achea and Terrell Brown. Uh, certainly Yvonne was, was a glue guy and uh, did a lot of the dirty work, got a lot of rebounds, but also had some offensive game. And Terrell Brown was one of those guys that could score 20-25 on a given night. Yeah, both are going to be really hard to place. And I, and I, I think uh, Oreko Echea probably the biggest um, loss. And uh, Christians has said that. I mean, you know, the numbers weren't like eye-popping. Um, he never averaged 12, 13, 14, 15 points per game. But he was so steady. And um, I think the attention that he drew in the post helped out the guards get better shots from the arc and so on and so forth. So now Johnny McCants has an even bigger role than he had before. And a name, I think, from the start that you're going to hear a lot about this year is Will McNair, who was on the roster last year. Uh, he was a redshirt freshman a year ago. He didn't play a ton, but every time he came out there, it was like, okay, I think in a couple of years, he could really, really be good. And Chris Giants has raved about him down the road. Will McNair could be a star. Well, Will McNair needs to step up this year. And from all indications, is he's looked really good. 
So um, I, I think Will is a big part of replacing Yvonne down low. You mentioned McNair. Who else do you see being or making a big impact this year? Well, they have so many transfers, and uh, the roster is flooded with four-star recruits. Now, guys have come here from different directions. It wasn't directly out of high school, but uh, Marcus Watson was a top 50 recruit, top 40 in, in some publications coming out of uh, high school in Buford, Georgia a couple of years ago. He transfers in from Oklahoma State, um, and I think he's going to have – uh, the ability to be one of the best guards in the WAC. I don't know if it's this year. It, it might be down the road, but he's 6'5". He's thick. He can shoot it. Uh, he can defend. He's going to be a star. Uh, Mayan Kerr transferred in. Uh, he's been at South Florida, LSU. Uh, he's long. He's athletic. And he's another guy who will have to fill in there in the front court. So uh, those are just a couple names. I think C.J. Roberts, who was a four-star out of high school, um, he's going to have to play some minutes behind Evan Gilliard at the point guard position. And then people probably forget that Clayton Henry uh, was hurt all but two games last year. And Clayton Henry going into the year last year, Chris Jantz said he was one of the best players on the team and was probably the best perimeter defender. And now he's healthy and, you know, you can insert him in the lineup now as well. So I think he'll probably start from day one and uh, they're deep. I don't know if they're 12, 13 deep like they were a couple of years ago, but they're deep again. Well, another guy that uh, we've read a little bit about, Adam, is uh, Donnie Tillman transferring from UNLV, uh, played there last year, was a starter, played at Utah, was a uh, Pac-12 six-man of the year uh, at Utah. Th this guy comes with a lot of uh, fanfare, 6'7", 225, uh, a, a big body. Uh, what would you know about Donnie Tillman? Well, you said a big body, um, and he can play numerous positions. Uh, he can play the guard. He can play the forward spot. And I think if the Aggies want to go a, a little bit smaller, he could play the four, and, and they won't lose a beat. Um, but like you said, I mean, he, he played at a high level at Utah and then, of course, was at UNLV. And Chris Jantz has had success uh, with one-year transfers. Remember Zach Lofton and Chris's first year? Zach Lofton came in, and he averaged 20 a game. Now, I don't – think Donnie Tillman's going to average 20 a game, but I think Donnie Tillman um, will make a big impact in this program from day one. He's experienced. He's uh, been through the battles. He's been through the wars already. Um, so he's another piece to the puzzle. I mean, there's so many guys that it's really hard to predict who's going to play 20, 25 minutes, who's only going to play 10 to 15. And um, that's good to have. When you have depth, um, you can do a lot of different things. And Chris Jans likes having depth. He doesn't like having a rotation of seven or eight guys. He likes having a rotation of 11 or 12. And if they're healthy, knock on wood, um, I think he'll have that again this year. You mentioned a lot of four-star recruits in this program. Besides the winning record, what makes head coach Chris Jans' program so intriguing to players? Uh, I, I, think, I think it's they win a lot. I really do. I, I think um, – 83 wins in three years, uh, that's a pretty good place to start when you're recruiting. Um, they go to the NCAA tournament, what seems like every single year, um, and kids want to play in the biggest games on the biggest stage. And if you come here, you're going to have a good shot of doing that. Evan Gilliard transferred in from UTEP, and he said he wanted to play for Chris Jans, and he wanted to win basketball games. And Evan comes in, and he doesn't lose once he's on the floor. So Winning is fun. It's contagious. Uh, the crowd is a big part of it. Um, this town loves basketball, and it, it's got a, a story tradition. And then, you know, the final thing, too, is 
uh, Chris Jans and his staff, they can really, really recruit. And um, part of that is to Rachel and Eric is when they're recruiting a young man, they're going to be completely honest with them. Um, you know, nothing is handed to you here. It, it never is. They don't guarantee playing time. You earn it every single day in practice. And Evan Gilliard said this morning when we interviewed him, he said, I'm a better player here since I came over from UTEP, and I'm also a better person. Christians has helped make him a better person off the floor as well. So um, the expectations are high. They demand a lot out of the guys on and off the floor, and it shows when they leave here. They leave here better people as well. Well, this is our New Mexico State basketball preview uh, on the WAC podcast. And, Adam, we're going to talk some women's hoops uh, when we come back. We would like to thank our sponsors of the WAC podcast, Hercules Tires and Adidas. Now, back to Eric and Rachel. We're now talking New Mexico State women's basketball with Adam Young, the uh, director of broadcasting for NM State Sports Properties and Learfield. Adam, uh, women's basketball, not the season they were looking for last year. They went to 12 and 18. What's it going to take? First losing record since 2014. What's it going to take to uh, turn things around for the Aggies this year? Well, I looked back at the schedule uh, the other day from last year, and I forgot how many close games they lost, to be honest, Eric. Um, there were a lot of games that could have gone either way, especially in non-conference play. They got off to a really slow start. They finished strong. They won three of their final four, and we had this feeling in Vegas that they could make a serious run. They beat UTRGV the day before uh, the tournament was uh, canceled, and they felt good about their semifinal matchup against Kansas City. Um, so they finished strong. I'm hoping that momentum can kind of carry over into this year. They lose a big-time score in Gia Pack, and that's the biggest question mark, I think, going into this season, is how do you replace 18, 19, 20 points per game that you knew you were going to get from Gia pretty much uh, night in and night out. So that's the biggest uh, hole to fill going into this year. Who do you imagine can fill her spot? Honestly, Rachel, I think it's going to have to be balance. I, I, I just don't see them having one player averaging more than 15, but I think they have the ability to have four or five averaging around nine to 13. Uh, they have capable scores. Aaliyah Prince has done it, and she's done it at a very high level. Uh, Sophia Inusa, who was a freshman last year, showed flashes of scoring at a high level. I, I don't know if she's ever going to be a Gia Pack who averages 20 a game, but she does so many things well. Um, so those are two names right there. Amanda Soderquist, uh, really good shooter from the arc. If she gets on a roll, she could score 20 on a given night. So they have the pieces. I, I just don't think it's going to be one player every single night. I think it's going to be more of a balanced effort. Well, you mentioned, I mean, losing Gia Pack, one of the all-time greats there at New Mexico State, but there are four players who are returning starters for the Aggies, and they did have to play that pretty long stretch at the end of last season after Gia got hurt and try to figure things out with her down the stretch. I would imagine, I mean, if you want to, you know, make a positive out of a negative, that would be it, uh, that the players are used to playing without Gia. That's a really good point, Eric. I, th I think that's an underrated part of uh, what they got to see towards the end of last year is Gia was out for around a month. And uh, during that stretch, Sophia Inusa really stepped up. And um, I saw Brooke Salas her entire career. So I was here when Brooke was a freshman. 
And Sophia is one of the few freshmen in program history that started right away. Brooke Salas was the same. And I got to watch Brooke grow her four years, and she was leaps and bounds different in her final year. I think we're going to see the same type of stuff with Sophia Yanusa, where she can impact the game on both ends of the floor. And she was college ready from day one. So um, I think she could be a future star in this league for sure. And, um, you know, she's going to have to pick up some of that slack that's lost with the graduation of Gia Pack. You mentioned Brooke Salas, her and Gia Pack, Aggie legends to the fans out there. How do you rank them in the WAC or in the Aggie history books? Man, uh, Anita Maxwell's the name that everybody brings up, and she's the top scorer in program history. I never saw her play, but people say she was the real deal. Um, you know, I, I think without question, Brooke and Gia both are top five um without question uh, and you can throw in some other names that we saw you know a few years prior Sasha Weber was elite uh Mariah Mack was really really good I mean this recent stretch of I guess about six years um there's been a lot of really good players to come through this program and there's probably I would say at least four that you would say are top 10 top 15 players in program history and yeah, Brooke Salas and Gia Pack are right up there, especially uh, points-wise. We're talking with Adam Young. And Adam, uh, when you look at uh, this year's team, I know there's probably not as much information as there are on, on men's teams, uh, on the women's team, but who do you see uh, potentially making an impact in their first year uh, for Brooke Atkinson, who's now in her fourth year as the head coach? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of new pieces, but like you said earlier, there's also a lot of returners. And I think a name that people probably – forget about because she missed all last year with an injury is Kaylee Atkinson. Two years ago, Kaylee Atkinson made huge plays in the WAC title game uh, at the Orleans arena. And then she injured her knee last year and missed the entire season. So she's not a first year player, uh, but she hasn't played in a couple years. And Kaylee Atkinson can make jump shots, which the Aggies sorely missed last year. And she fits the Brooke Atkinson defensive philosophy of forcing turnovers, getting in passing lanes. She's long, she's athletic. So um, I, I certainly think she's somebody to watch uh, from day one. And then we'll see which newcomers can crack the lineup because there's about eight or nine that played significant minutes last year that you would think uh, would be playing similar amount of minutes this year. So I think time will tell if some of those newcomers can crack the lineup. And it also depends too on how deep Brooke Atkinson will go this year. So um, time will tell, and um, you know we have a start date, so so the uh, the season's approaching sooner rather than later. We're all pretty excited for that <laughs> November twenty fifth date. Hopefully, this year is going to look a lot different for women's basketball and for men's basketball in the WAC. Kansas City, CSU, Bakersfield gone from the WAC. They've moved on to their own separate conferences. Where do you imagine New Mexico State at in the women's side in the conference standings? Well, I think without Kansas City and without CSUB, this impacts the women's side more, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Kansas City uh, with Billy Donlin, they were really improving on the men's side. And of course, Rod Barnes did a great job on the men's side. But on the women's side, Kansas City was taken off. You know, J.C. Hoyt was doing such a good job with that program. And if you looked at the standings in March every single year, you could almost pencil it in. Greg McCall was going to have his team in the top two or three and they were going to make noise in Vegas. So the conference on the women's side, I think, is a lot more wide open now. 
I still think the Aggies are the team to beat. Um, yeah, it was somewhat of a down year last year overall, but they were still nine and nine in the league and still, you know, made an impact in, in the league. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how uh, things shape out this year. But I mean, you know, they've still won a lot of titles in the last five or six years. So I, I still think they're the team to beat. Well, Adam, with Tarleton and Dixie State both coming in from the Division II ranks, we saw this a few years ago with California Baptist, where, you know, maybe they were taken a little lightly initially. In fact, the last men's loss by New Mexico State was that first game California Baptist played in the WAC. I don't know if it was a case of taking them too lightly, but, you know, when you don't know about a team, uh, that can make it maybe a little tougher, especially the first time they play. Yeah, I'm curious about that. You know, I, I think it's always interesting when you bring in uh, new schools because you don't know much about them. Um, it's interesting for the media, but it's, you know, really interesting for the coaches. And it's kind of like a non-conference game because you don't know much about the history of the program. Neither, uh, neither team does. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how they kind of fit into the league this year. But, um, you know, I, I certainly think the losses of CSUB and Kansas City, it's it's impacted more on the women's side as far as the top of the, the conference is concerned. And uh, yeah, we'll see what those two new schools uh, do here in year one. Adam, my last question for you is a personal one. And I ask player this all the time about what's your favorite matchup to go against, but what is your favorite matchup to call? Let's start on the men's side. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I, I heard this question with Trev earlier um, in your interview with Trev. I think it's the GCU game. I mean, if you're talking about conference, I, I, I do think it's the GCU game. Uh, there's a lot of fanfare around it. Um, it you know, there's no um, love lost, I guess you can say. And, you know, the two programs uh, certainly have it out for each other a little bit. And I, I, you just the fans care more. It just always seems to be the game where there's more people there. And, um, you know, I, other schools in the WAC don't get to experience this, but if you're an Aggie, it's Aggies, Lobos, Aggies, Miners. There's, you know, there's nothing quite like that on the non-conference side. But as far as the WAC, um, it's definitely Aggies, Lopes. And, um, but the game, I think, last year that I was most excited to call was the Aggies and CBU in the finale. And I, I still don't know what happened in those 40 minutes because that's not the way I expected the game to go. Uh, but, you know, that game was in interesting. It was intriguing. Uh, CBU is an up-and-coming program, and Rick Croy does a good job with that program. So uh, that, to me, I was, I was pumped up, and then the game was over within the first five minutes. But, um, yeah, Aggies, Aggies lopes, I think, for sure, in most sports, you know, not just basketball. Well, last thing for me, Adam, would be uh, somewhat of a personal question, I guess, as well, in, in terms of do you know what you're going to be doing traveling-wise this year? Uh, We've talked a lot about, you know, coaches, players, COVID testing, all that good kind of stuff. But as far as a, a broadcaster goes, usually, usually on the road with the team, you know, as much as the, the coaches are, do you have an idea what, uh, what your travel schedule might look like? Yeah, we do not. Um, honestly, uh, you know, I think we're kind of going step by step at this point. We're trying to launch our uh, coaches show at Rudy's Barbecue starting October 21st. So we're kind of like focused on that date now. Can we launch? Can we start on that date at the restaurant because of all the restrictions in the state and stuff like that. And then on the TV side as well, um, you know, I got emails flooding in. These are our safety protocols for the TV truck this year. So we're focused on that as well, where how many people can we have in the television truck? Um, you know, what are all the rules and regulations? And um, 
when does the crew get tested and, and all those types of things. It's a different year, but um, you know, we're doing our best over here to, to kind of plow through it and still tell the stories of these great student athletes that have been affected by this um, greatly. And then um, hopefully we can, um, you know, start without a hitch and we can have games on TV without a problem. And um, we can get back to some sense of normalcy. I don't really know what that is at this point, cause it's not going to be normal, but I'm excited for something to look forward to. Um, that was a cool day. I, I think for everybody just to see there was a date, you know, and then hopefully soon we'll have a schedule and then it's like, okay, you can pinpoint dates and uh, think about what those games could be like and get back to what we love to do. I mean, I haven't called a game since I can't remember the day. I think it was like March 7th or something. And, and I, <laughs> I'm itching to get back to it. Well, Adam, we're, we're certainly itching as well. It's always great to talk to you. We, we, we have our, you know, we, we enjoy a lot of people that we have on the show, but you're the first three time. Yeah. So you can, Check that off on your resume now. Dubious honor. Dubious honor. Uh, <laughs> great to see you guys, even though it's virtually. I hope to see you guys soon in person at some point. And uh, always, to be, always good to be on the WAC podcast, Eric and Rachel. Thanks for having me. All right. That is Adam Young, Director of Broadcasting for NM State Sports Properties in Learfield. Uh, thank you for listening to the WAC podcast. We'll have more on each team in the WAC in the upcoming weeks. Thanks for listening to the WAC podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at waxsports.com.